Praise God and welcome to our Sunday message, Sunday the 8th of October 2023. To begin with, let's just read one scripture from the Old Testament. I'm reading from Genesis 15, Genesis chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who shall come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your precious word. We pray that this word will find fertile soil and the soil will produce a hundredfold, Lord. In those who are hearing, may we be active hearers and obedient doers. We pray for a life-changing experience with you as we set aside this time to hear from heaven. We ask this in the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. The title of this message is Seeing is Believing. Seeing is Believing. Now, the moment you make a statement like that, there are a whole host of scriptures in the Bible which seemingly contradict it. Of course, we know that we walk by faith not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6. We don't walk according to how we feel. We walk by faith. Then also we look at this whole case where the Lord has arisen from the dead. He's appeared to his disciples. And we have this character called Doubting Thomas. Well, we call him Doubting Thomas. The truth is, I think that we'd all be very similar to him. Our response would be the same as his. But anyway, You know the story. Thomas is told by the disciples that they've seen the Lord. And he says, unless I see, only then will I believe. Can you see? And the Lord comes to the disciples again and he invites Thomas, who's now with them, invites him to put his hands, his fingers in the holes of his hands and in his side and his feet. And then he says to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. All right, so the whole faith walk is not based on what we see. And yet I'm making a statement that seeing is believing. But I need to qualify this. Two weeks ago, I spoke about spiritual sight. Seeing with the spiritual eyes. And the truth of the matter is that if you and I want to really believe, We have to first see. We have to first see. Let me just explain this. The Lord prompted me in this particular direction when I was reading from the book of Habakkuk the other morning. And the first verse of that prophet goes like this. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. The burden which the prophet saw. I asked the Lord about that. It seems strange to me that a prophet would have to first see something, then it would become a burden on him, and then he'd have to obviously minister it. But the Lord was saying something which I believe we need to grasp. You see, you and I are not supposed to operate according to what we see in the flesh. What we see around us should not really prompt us. We do respond to the world system, we have to in many respects. 
However, when we want to walk a walk of faith, as I tried to explain the other week, we have to be able to see beyond, beyond the physical realm and into the spiritual realm. And you see, this is the key to us actually moving forward. You and I can't move forward if we don't know what we are moving to. It's a very simple thing. You cannot go to another city unless you know which city you are going to. You have some idea that that city exists, and obviously the road that goes there. In the same way with the faith walk, you and I are believing something which the physical eye cannot see. You see, that is what the Lord was saying to Thomas. If you saw me and now you believe, you're not exercising faith. You're not exercising faith. It's no good saying, I'll believe God for healing once I'm healed. Or I'll believe God for that car once I've got the car. That is humanity's way of thinking. I'll believe it when I see it. Thomas is just reflecting the way most of us think, Christian or otherwise. I'll believe it when I see it. I've often heard people say that. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, if they're waiting to see something manifest physically as a Christian, and you'll only believe it once you see it, you're not exercising faith. We are not exercising faith. And you see, we are called upon to walk by faith, not by sight. However, however, as contradictory as it might sound, being able to see helps us to believe. What I mean by this is, if we're able to see things in the spirit realm, that's a great stepping stone towards seeing them manifest in the physical realm. We have to be able to see it before we can really believe it. Now let's go to Abraham, the story we started with. You all know the story of Abraham. He really, really wanted a child. He had everything else except an heir. He wanted someone that would take over all his possessions and his name for posterity. That was the cry of his heart. And he came to the age of 100. And at that age, his wife was 90 years old. He looked at her, looked at himself. In the natural, he couldn't see it. Couldn't see it. And he was in despair. Comes to God, complains about the fact that now some stranger is going to inherit all his wealth, etc. He doesn't have an heir. But then God does something strange. All right? He gives him instruction and he says, Abram, go outside. Now, in places where there's no light pollution and when there's not much habitation, the sky becomes very, very bright at night. Why? There are more stars out there than one human could ever possibly count in ten lifetimes. I remember once I went to Namibia with my father and we're camping out in the desert and the one thing that just kept me awake all night was the dazzling sky. Impressive. 
I can imagine that in that day and age, Abram went out and was confronted by a similar sight. Stars immeasurable. The sky literally shouting light onto the earth. And God says to him, count them, if you can. (laughs) It's a rhetorical question, of course. Count them if you can. Obviously impossible to count. And then God turns around and says to Abraham, Such shall your descendants be. Can you see that? Such shall your descendants be. Now why did God go through all that performance with him? And it's not the first time, by the way. He'd done it before. Not only the sky, but also the sand of the desert. I mean, that's a lot of sand. But you see, what was God trying to do? Abraham was confronted in the physical with the impossible. Amen. Like many, many of us in everyday life, many, many things, many, many things we'd like to see happen, but we're confronted with what is seemingly the impossible. Now, here's a key to actually overcoming it God gives Abraham something that he can see. Amen. Something that he can see. Something that he can wrap his faith around. An object lesson. You see, you and I battle as human beings who've lived our whole life in the physical world to perceive the spiritual world. It shouldn't be, but it is foreign to us. And for us to see things that in the physical we can't see, things that can happen, but haven't happened, we struggle. And what is needed is some kind of picture to help us. Some vision that we can attach our faith to, to give us what the Bible calls hope, positive expectation. It's a spiritual thing. It's an intangible thing. But it's a very real thing, nonetheless. And you see, Once we can grasp it in our spirit, when what we desire or what is necessary becomes something that is tangible in our spirit man, that's a great stepping stone towards it becoming real in the physical realm. Just let that sink in for a bit. You see, you and I might be dealing with something like sickness, terrible disease, some physical affliction. In the moment, the pain of that makes it hard for us to see ourselves healed. Makes it hard for us to see ourselves well. For example, if you and I were a paraplegic, God forbid, one of the hardest things to see in the spirit is leaping and dancing. Amen. But you see, it's only when you and I can grasp the possibility in our spirit, in our spirit man, when the potential materializes in our spirit man, and just somehow we know this is possible. We just know that this is possible. We're not just speaking it because we know we're supposed to speak it. We're not saying it because we know it's the right thing to say. We're not just quoting scripture. 
we have a grasp in our spirit man that yes, this is possible. You see, and it's only then when we can see it in that way that we are positioned to really believe. Seeing with the eye of the Spirit is believing. It's the stepping stone to really, really believing. I think of that blind bottom as the beggar sitting on the side of the road. The Bible is very specific. He shouts and screams. We know the story. The Lord stops, calls him. Something very interesting happens when the Lord Yeshua summons him. We've been through this before, but what happens is he stands up and then the Bible's very specific. He takes that cloak that he is wearing and he casts it off. Now just remember, the man is completely blind. He's been summoned to this great man that he's only heard about. He's going to go into his presence. Something inside of him realizes that this is it. How can we surmise that? Well, Bible scholars will tell you that cloak of his had significance. You see, it was like his license to be a beggar. In a way, once you had that cloak on, you were regarded as blind and in need of charity. Can you see that? That was your lot in life. Very much like a doctor wearing a stethoscope around his neck. Hardly ever uses a thing, but it's like a badge or a minister with a dog collar or a policeman with a badge, whatever. You see, it was like a sign. This is what I am. I am a blind beggar. It is charitable for you to support me. Can you see that? But in a split instant, what did Bartimaeus do? He threw that coat off. Can you see? What he was saying is, although my sight has not been restored to me, I can see that I'm no longer a beggar. Can you see that? I'm no longer a beggar. And when the Lord asks him, what do you want? There's no question in his mind, I want to see. And you see, when you say a thing like that to somebody, you're giving them the full authority to do what you believe they can do. You wouldn't go to a beggar and say, I need a hundred rand. Because you know he can't do it for you. You understand? The man is saying to the master, make me see. You can do it. He's expressing absolute confidence. How does he have that confidence? How did he have the confidence in the first place to shout above the crowd, disrespect everybody's rebuke? He knew. He knew. In his spirit, he could see it. He didn't even know what sight was. Blind from birth. But he knew that others had been healed and something inside of him triggered this understanding. In his spirit, man, he could see it. That's why he could shout until he got what he wanted. And when the opportunity came, he threw off the past. He didn't wait for this miracle to happen and then say, okay, well, I'm no longer a beggar. I don't need this. Give it to somebody else. You've got to see this. 
You've just got to grasp this. In every area of life when you and I are struggling, we have to grasp in our spirit the answer. We have to grasp it in our spirit, man. Now please, this is not the power of positive thinking. That's the counterfeit. How do you get to the place where you see something? If you're struggling with terrible poverty, how do we come to the place where we see that we are well off? It's a challenge. But there are a number of things we can do. We can't make it happen. This is so important. Why? Because it is a gift of the Spirit. You can call it a gift of faith if you want. There are a few things we can do. It's a gift of God, but we can position ourselves so that God is able to get that gift to us. We can't ourselves just make it happen. It is something the Holy Spirit does. There are a few things we can do. It's almost like a plant, you see. You and I cannot make a seed grow. We can't. But what we can do is create around that seed an environment which is conducive for growth. This internal vision, answer to you on my problem, this gift of faith, is not something you and I can manufacture. However, there's a lot of things we can do that will enable God to get this to us. You see, once that vision is in your and my heart, then we're able to believe. And as we've been saying so many times, once you and I are able to really believe, really give God the faith that He needs, then it's just a process of that manifesting in the earth. But what are these things we can do? Well, the first thing we can do is we can keep choosing to believe. We might say in our heart, I don't really believe. And that's not wrong to be honest with yourself. That's better than pretending that you do. But there's a fine line, you see, between pretending and choosing to believe. Because, to be honest, Abraham had the same problem. You see, Romans 4.18 explains it this way, that Abraham, contrary to hope in hope, believed. Can you see that? There was an impossible situation confronting him daily, but that failure to have any faith didn't stop him. He chose, you see, he chose to consistently believe, despite the circumstances. And that made him ultimately become a father of many nations. If he had given up, if he had said it's not going to work, which he almost did on more than one occasion, had that been the case, he would not have become the father of many nations. Can you see that? But he based his hope not on how he felt, on what he was told by God. And I firmly believe because of that attitude, God himself said, I need to help this man. Let me give him something to look at, something to hold on to. Go outside, Abraham, and look at the stars. In the New Testament, I think of that man with a child who was epileptic. And the Lord asked him, do you believe? The man very honestly said, I do believe, but just help my unbelief. In other words, 
I want to, but I'm struggling. And the Lord met him where he was. If he had said, no, I don't believe, it's impossible. Well, that whole story would have stopped right there. And his child would have continued being afflicted by the devil, which is the case of so many people. But you see, you and I, if we know that what we are believing for is what God has said, we can choose to continue to believe. All right. Now, there's something else we can do. Obviously, this is something that is birthed, has to be birthed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit needs to be encouraged in our lives. As I always say, and many others have said, that he's a perfect gentleman. He won't impose himself on anybody. He will not force anybody to do anything. However, there's a yieldedness to him which, in a sense, encourages him to operate more and more in our lives, you see. And it's very important for us to be continually open to the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means continually placing ourselves in a place where we are open to the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks a lot about waiting. Those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. Proverbs 8, 34 and 35 probably says it as well as it has been said anywhere else in the Bible. But it reads like this, Proverbs 8, 34 and 35. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. So you see, for God to get this message to us, to help us receive pictures and visions that will help our faith, it's important to be continually watching, waiting for Him. You see, and that implies that we know what we're looking for. It knows what we're watching for. So that when it comes, we'll know what it is. We'll understand it. If we're not watching and we're not waiting, God's very reluctant to get it to us. He won't just suddenly jump on one of us normally. So you see, there is this attitude in our hearts. We realize that things are not what they should be, perhaps in a certain area. We need God to help us. We are trying our best to believe. We are filling our mind with his word. We are speaking what he says daily. But there is this watching and waiting, stretching our spirit man to him. You see, waiting for that answer, as it were. Once we have that in our spirit, man, well, we're almost there, but not quite, as we'll explain. Another thing that helps a lot, you see, is to associate with the right kind of people. To find yourself in the presence of people that have a can-do attitude. It's very difficult to believe when you and I are surrounded by a whole lot of unbelievers, Christian or otherwise, in this connection with people being around us. Just recently, with all the rugby going on about us with the World Cup, listening to a discussion, very many of them on the internet, I love it when these people that consider themselves experts, you see, get around and start talking with such authority. Which reminds me of myself. <laughs> but anyway... One statement that came out, you see, there's this debate now. Do you choose for the great match people with experience that are a bit old 
or young and healthy and strong people that might not just have the experience, you see. Youth versus experience, which is the way to go. And one of these pundits made a statement that I thought was quite interesting. He said, a coach mentioned once that when selecting people, what can make all the difference to a team standing there in the spotlight on the day is if to your left is somebody who has won a World Cup and to your right is somebody who's also won a World Cup. Can you see the confidence that that would breathe into a young player? You see, people that have been there, done that, can-do mentality. Can-do. That's the environment you and I need to find ourselves in. Faith is contagious. And if those around us are continually looking at the problem, speaking the problem, it'll be very difficult for us to rise above that. You see, that seed from God needs fertile soil. And we have the responsibility to have a receptive heart at all times, to keep our soil uncontaminated with doubt, unbelief. God can't do it. God's a lost cause. Everything's over. Can you see that? That kind of environment will strangle any seed of faith being dropped into our heart. We have a responsibility to have our soil prepared for God to speak to. Fertile soil. The Bible speaks about turning over the fallow ground. Turning it over. When the ground is hard after the season is over and before the new season comes, it's important to plow it. To break up, as the Bible says, the fallow ground. Break it up. You see, we need to break up our spirit man continually being exposed to the truth. Exposed to hearing his word. In the attitude of praise and of worship, continually giving unto God. Giving unto God. Can you see that? Magnifying him in our lives. Blessing his holy name. When we do these things, preferably with others, you see, the gathering of the saints, an environment of praise and of worship where the Holy Spirit is honored and respected and permitted freedom. It's in those moments, you see, that we are open to receive that life-giving word, that picture, as it were, that vision that will just help our faith at our point of need. And once that happens, you see, and in our innermost being, we can see it. We can grasp it. It's possible. I can get that job. I can get married. I can get that healing. I can get a home. I can get onto the mission field. I can be a source of blessing. I can teach the word. Can you see that? All these wonderful things. When the Holy Spirit just places a picture that just tells you that is possible, when we can just grasp it in our spirit man, can you see that's when faith can really start. But it's not the end of the story. You see, the Bible is very clear. Faith without works is dead. We should know that. But you see, the starting point is faith. Once we've got that vision in our hearts, we can see it. Then there's a few other things we need to do. Once you now have this realization deep in our spirit, 
that all things are possible because I believe. Our next job right then is to speak. All right? Is to speak. Blind Bartimaeus, the Lord said, what do you want? And he spoke. You see? But he spoke from faith. This is very important to grasp. Yes, we can speak the right thing beforehand because we know it's the right thing to do. And it's very important. Confession unto salvation. But the real time to speak is once we have this faith in our hearts. Because then when we speak, we release faith. 2 Corinthians 4, 13, 15 And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak knowing that he who raised up the Lord, Yeshua, will also raise us up with Yeshua and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Do you see that? We believe, therefore we speak. We believe, therefore we speak. Once you and I can see it in our spirit, man, that's the time to speak it, to start talking it, and that is the time to start acting. But you see, once you and I get into that pattern, it's a matter of time before God Almighty comes onto the scene with his salvation, and that which we have believed manifests in the land of the living. So I trust that you and I understand this. Essential to this whole process of giving God the faith that he needs to do what he has promised for us is this ability to see. In that sense, seeing is believing. We don't wait to see in the physical before we believe. We see with the eye of the Spirit, you see. We have it in our heart. Then we're able to believe. And when we believe, and when we act, God himself comes onto the scene and does. I trust that you're blessed in the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen.